Let's take the Word of God this morning, and if you turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13, we're going to begin reading in just a moment in verse 38 before we read. Uh, the temperature, is it okay in here? Is it okay? Maybe I'm just the one burning up. All right, I'm going to take the jacket off. But uh, Acts chapter 13, we're going to begin reading in verse 38 in just a moment. Uh, Paul and Barnabas, let me remind you, had arrived in Antioch and Pisidia and went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day as they typically did. They went there to preach the gospel. After the reading, they were asked if they had an exhortation for the people uh, in Acts uh, 13 verse 15. And Paul began his sermon by addressing, now this is important, at the beginning of the sermon he, he addresses in verse 16 by saying, Men of Israel. So he is addressing the Jews in the synagogue by saying, Men of Israel. And he began in the message and he talked about Abraham and he said, Our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He talked about the deliverance from Egyptian bondage. He talked about their wilderness wanderings. He talked about how they went into the land, they conquered the land, and then they divided the promised land. He talked about the time of the judges up until Samuel. And then he talked about the time of the kings, and he men mentioned the first two kings, Saul and David. And at David then, he turned the attention from David and said that Jesus Christ was raised unto Israel a Savior of the seed of David. And then he mentions that John the Baptist proclaimed and confirmed the arrival of Messiah. And when John the Baptist came, he preached to the Jews there in Judea, and he called on Israel to repent. And then in verse 26, he says, Men and brethren, that's who? The Jews in the synagogue there, children of the stock of Abraham. That's the Jews. And whosoever among you feareth God, to you is the word of this salvation sent. So in this chapter here, Paul and Barnabas are in the synagogue and they're addressing, first of all, the Jews. They, wherever they went to the city, they preached first to the Jews and then to the Gentiles. And then he went on to explain for the remainder of his message the false accusation against Christ before Pilate. He talked about the innocence of the Messiah. He talked about the crucifixion of the Messiah. He talked about his burial and he talked then about his resurrection, not just the fact that he was raised from the dead, but that many people were witnesses of his resurrection. And he says in verse 32, And we declare unto you glad tidings, how that the promise which was made unto the fathers, God hath fulfilled the same unto us their children, in that he hath raised up Jesus again, as it is also written in the second psalm, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. In verse 38, we'll begin a reading in just a moment. He brings it to a conclusion. He says this in verse 38, Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, he is addressing the Jews in the synagogue, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. That's Jesus Christ. And by him all that believe are justified from all things, from which ye could not be justified by the law of Moses. Beware therefore, lest that come unto, upon you which is spoken 
of and the prophets. Behold, ye despisers and wonder and perish. For I work a work in your days, a work which ye shall in no wise believe, though a man declare it unto you. And when the Jews were gone out of the synagogue, the Gentiles besought that these words might be preached unto them the next Sabbath. So the Gentiles knew that the audience was not them, it was the Jews. But when they left, they said, what about us? Would you preach to us? Verse 43. Now when the congregation was broken up, many of the Jews and religious proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who speaking to them, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. And the next Sabbath day came almost the whole city together to hear the word of God. And when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and spake against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said, It was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you, the Jews. But seeing ye put it from you, and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. For so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee to be a light of the Gentiles, that thou shouldest be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord, and as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was published throughout all the region, but the Jews stirred up the devout and honorable women and the chief men of the city and raised persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them out of their coast. But they shook off the dust of their feet against them and came into Iconium and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. So Paul had told them that by Jesus Christ, the forgiveness of sin has been offered. Anyone, he said, that believes in Jesus Christ is justified from all things, he says, without the participation of the law. And we already noted in our passage two very different responses from the preaching of Paul, the preaching of the gospel in Christ. And by the way, Paul did preach the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the responses were quite different. We talked about last week uh, the characteristics of, of those who receive the Word of God and also the characteristics of those who reject the Word of God. So we looked at those who receive the Word of God while others rejected the Word of God. And it seems clear as we look at the narrative here that the majority of the Jews rejected the Word of God and the majority of the Gentiles received the Word of God. And I want to continue here because something interesting happens, and I think it's important for us to, to note this, that Paul is going to respond to the response of the Jews and the Gentiles. And so he's going to address first the Jews, and then he's going to address the Gentiles. And in this response, I'm going to note four things in our text. First of all, we're going to look at Paul's rebuke from the rejection of God's Word. Then we're going to look at Paul's resolve to per preaching the Word of God. Then we're going to look at uh, the revolt against the publishing of God's Word. And finally, we're going to look at the rejoicing at the opportunity of the Word of God being declared. 
I want you to notice, first of all, as we look at our text, and by the way, as we look at our text, the emphasis in this chapter is this, the Word of God. Now, how, how do we know that? Because of what this passage says. We know, obviously, Paul preached the Word of God. He went through pretty much the entirety of the Old Testament, or we could say probably from Abraham to King David. And then he went to the New Testament from John the Baptist to the ascension of Jesus Christ, the resurrection and ascension of Jesus Christ. And he is declaring the word of salvation. Notice in verse 44, when the next Sabbath comes, almost the whole city is gathered together, notice, to hear what? The word of God. They were not impressed with the oratory skills of Paul There was something about the Word of God that compelled them to come and hear it again. In uh, verse 46, when Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said it was necessary, notice that the Word of God should first be spoken unto you. Verse 48, when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the Word of the Lord. Verse 49, and the Word of the Lord was published throughout all the region. So if there's an emphasis here in this chapter is on what? The Word of the Lord. And if there is going to be an emphasis, if somebody is to ask, hey, what is to be the emphasis of First Aid Baptist Church? If First Aid Baptist Church is to be like first century churches, then the Word of God needs to be at the center. The Word of God needs to be held up. The Word of God needs to be preached. The Word of God gets uh, us to the place where we make a decision as to what is being preached. And so, the Word of God, and I want us to see here, because Paul is going to deal with them, both those who have rejected the Word of God and those who have received the Word of God. And I really firmly believe this, that anybody who comes under the sound of the Word of God will respond. I don't believe there is any neutral ground. You will either receive the Word of God or you will reject the Word of God. And in this case, we see those two. And somebody might think that they're neutral. Well, I just kind of, I'm not going to worry about it. Then you have rejected the Word of God by not listening and heeding to the Word of God. It's interesting, many of the messages that Paul and Peter preached, they would often begin their messages with this. Listen, hearken, pay attention. This is important. And so if they did not pay attention, then they were rejecting the Word of God. I want us to notice in our passage, first of all, the rebuke from rejecting the Word of God. I really want us to spend some time looking at Paul's response to those who rejected the Word of God. And here, this is namely the Jews that were in Antioch. Uh, Notice here, and we've already looked at this, the characteristics of those who received and those who rejected. But I want to pay close attention to what Paul, how Paul addresses the Jews that he had preached to now for two weeks straight. In verse 46, then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold. Now, they came with boldness. What what had just happened? Well, in verse 45, the Bible says that the Jews, they spake against those things which were spoken by Paul. What did Paul say? He preached the word of God. So they spoke against the word of God, contradicting and blaspheming. And so now Paul, with boldness, he responds to their rejection of the Word of God in verse 46, and he said, It was necessary that the Word of God should first have been spoken to you, but seeing ye put it from you, and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. For so 
hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee to be a light of the Gentiles, that thou shouldest be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. So we see here that he says, Paul says, it was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken unto you. Uh, There is a habit and a pattern in the New Testament, and by the way, that begins even from as you open the gospel of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That when the gospel was preached, or when Jesus Christ was first being proclaimed, even before he came, that it was to the Jews. Uh, For example, in Matthew chapter 3, John the Baptist, he preached in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he, uh, remember, he announced that there is coming one after me whose shoes I am not worthy to lose. And we know that when Jesus Christ came on the scene, John the Baptist said, Behold, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. He was, as we refer to him, the forerunner of Christ. He came before Christ. He prepared the way for Christ. He himself was not the Messiah, but he prepared Israel for the Messiah. And so in this sense, the the word of the Lord came first to the Jews. However, we know as we read John chapter 1 verse 11, the Bible says that Jesus Christ, he came unto his own, who is his own, the Jews, but his own received him not. That's what the Bible says. In John 19, we go to the crucifixion in John 19, and we see the crowd crying out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. And even Pilate said unto them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, We have no king but Caesar. No king but Caesar. And so we see here that the Jews, the word of God had been preached to them first, and that had been true Uh, since the time of John the Baptist all the way to now when Paul is preaching in the synagogue the Jews concerning Jesus Christ. And so we find here that in our particular text that when the gospel is received, we see that the heart is softened. And when the gospel is rejected, the heart is hardened. But I want you to see here that Paul, as he's preaching to them, he is quoting from the Old Testament. In verse 46, he speaks to them, It was necessary that the word of God should have first been spoken unto you, but seeing ye put it far from you, and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. Notice verse 47. For so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee to be a light of the Gentiles. So what is he quoting? He's quoting from Isaiah 49. Let's turn there. Turn to the book of Isaiah, in chapter 49. Notice Isaiah chapter 49. Let's begin reading in verse 6 or verse 5. Isaiah 49, verse 5. And now saith the Lord that formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob again to him, though Israel be not gathered, yet shall I be glorious in the eyes of the Lord, and my God shall be my strength. And he said, It is a light thing that thou shouldest be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved of Israel. I will also 
Give thee for a light to the Gentiles, that thou mayest be my salvation unto the end of the earth. Thus saith the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel, and his Holy One, to him whom man despiseth, to him whom the nation abhorreth, to a, uh, to a servant of rulers, kings shall see and arise, princes also shall worship, because of the Lord that is faithful, and the Holy One of Israel, and he, uh, and he shall choose thee. So we, we find here, uh, quoted here, that Paul is quoting from Isaiah 49, verse 6 and 7. We even see this mentioned as well in Isaiah chapter 42, verse 6 and 7. I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness. I will hold thine hand. I will keep thee and give thee for a covenant of the people, for a light of the Gentiles, to open the blind eyes, to bring out the prisoners from the prison, and them that sit in darkness out of the prison house. And as we look here at this, uh, at this passage here, we see here that Paul, quoting from, speaking to the Jews about the rejection of the word of God, he quotes from the prophet Isaiah, and notice he, he mentions here that as the word came to them, they rejected it, Isaiah 49, verse 1 through 7, is a prophecy really of redemption through the Lord's servant. And the interpretation of Isaiah 49 is that the Lord's servant is Jesus Christ, by whom came redemption. If you were to study Isaiah 49 all the way through 57, those, all those chapters, they're all prophecies of the sufferings of Christ, but also not only of the prophecies of Christ the Redeemer, but also of the sin the guilt, and also the anticipated rejection of Israel as a nation. Uh, two prophecies mentioned in Isaiah 49, uh, so what uh, Paul is saying back in Acts 13 is that the prophecy of Isaiah 49 and of Isaiah 42 has been fulfilled before your eyes. Now, they would be familiar with Isaiah. It would be common for them to read that portion uh, and to have that read in the, in the synagogue. And so uh, they would be familiar with that. And so Paul says, your rejection is a fulfillment of what God has prophesied as to how you would respond to the Lord's servant, Jesus Christ. First of all, Christ would be formed to bring Jacob again, yet Israel will not be gathered. That's what we read in... Um, Isaiah 49, that when the servant would come, Israel would not be gathered. We see this happening by the rejection of the Jews in Antioch under the preaching of Paul. We have also seen that happening really since uh, the beginning of the book of Acts, that when the gospel is preached to the Jews, that the majority of those Jews had rejected the word of God. They, they would not be gathered under the sound of the preaching of the gospel. Isaiah 49.5 says again, Though Israel be not gathered, yet shall I be glorious in the eyes of the Lord, and my God shall be my strength. And so, although Messiah is going to come, Israel is not going to be gathered when He is going to come. Uh, and we're going to see that yet He is going to be glorified, and many people are going to see Him as a light. We also see, not only secondly, that Christ would be formed to bring Israel, but Israel would not be gathered. But also, we see that Christ would be a light to the Gentiles, which is also mentioned in Isaiah 49. And that they would be a, 
He would be a light to the Gentiles upon the rejection of Israel. And from the time of the prophets, the reception of the Gentiles would, was made manifest by God. Paul discerns that these prophecies here are being fulfilled before his very eyes. If you remember back in Acts chapter 9, if you turn there with me, uh, in Acts chapter 9, you remember at Paul's conversion, uh, God had a calling upon the life of Paul. Paul had said, what will thou have me to do? And so there would be a, a waiting period for Paul until he would know exactly what the Lord wanted him to do. And so he was told Paul what the Lord wanted him to do in Acts chapter 9. Notice verse 15. For I will show him, so uh, the Lord appears to Ananias and tells him, you're going to go to Paul and you're going to tell him. Verse 15. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me. The Lord speaking to Ananias to go to Paul, to Saul. He is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house and putting his hands on him said, Brother Saul, the Lord even Jesus that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest has sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and, filled, and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And so Paul is going to be made, he is made aware of the fact that God has chosen him to be a light to the Gentiles. This statement uh, we see here is uh, fulfilled and Paul sees that. He, he puts together God's calling on his life and he refers to himself later in the epistle as the apostle to the Gentiles. But he refers back here, we have the calling of, of Paul upon his life, and here he sees a moment, there's a moment in time here where Paul sees what is happening in Antioch of Pisidia, and he sees that this is prophecy being fulfilled of the rejection of Israel, and that there is going, that there, actually that rejection is going to turn to be a light to the Gentiles. And that happens before him. Can you imagine he's sitting here and there's the crowd of the Jews gathered in the synagogue and they're all rejecting and there's all the Gentiles that are all outside waiting for him and they want more. And he's saying to himself, under the inspiration of God here, that's exactly what Isaiah prophesied. And here it is, it's happened before, before us. Now, what does he say to them? Notice, if you go back with me to Acts chapter 13, uh, notice with me, He says in verse, um, at the end of verse 46, But seeing ye put it from you, put what from you? The word of God. And judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life. Lo, we turn to the Gentiles. For so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee as a light, uh, to be a light to the, of the Gentiles, that thou shouldest be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. Now here, Paul obviously is referring back to the command of Jesus Christ. Going into all the world and preach the gospel to what? To every creature. Now, that was the command of the Lord. Now as instructed, they follow, they went to the Jew first, but the point is they were to witness to all. And so here he declares that, that that's what the Lord commanded us to do. Verse 48, when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and they glorified, notice, the word of the Lord, and as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. 
Now, now we see here, understand the statement at the end of verse 48, as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. Who is he talking to there? The Gentiles. As many of the Gentiles, notice that were ordained to eternal life, believed that comes uh, in light of the rejection of the Jews. And so the statement here has to be put in contrast to the immediate context. In verse 46, notice what he said to the Jews. He spake boldly to them, verse 46, It was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you, but seeing ye put it far from you, put it from you, and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. Did God want to save those Jews in the synagogue that day? Yes, He did. But they judged themselves unworthy of everlasting life. And so Paul then tell the Jews, tells the, 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 the Gentiles, we turn to the Gentiles, and the Bible says, and as many as were ordained to eternal life, notice, believed. Now as we look at the statement here, often people use this verse to say, ah, well here, see, uh, this means that God has ordained people to eternal life. God has chosen certain people to go to heaven and chosen certain people to go to hell. And that's, that's about predestination. That's not what that is at all. It actually it doesn't say predestination, it says ordained. But the context is the rejection of the Jews. You see, he had preached to the Jews. What? Everlasting life in Jesus Christ. Salvation in Jesus Christ. They needed to believe. And they rejected. And so he says, well, it's been ordained that God uh, has made the gospel available not just to the Jew, but also to the Gentiles. And as we look at this here, remember in verse 46, he, he says that many of you yourselves judge yourselves unworthy. Now, the Jews judge themselves unworthy. The word unworthy is the combination of two words. You have the word, the first part is un, and then worthy. Uh, the, the negative un uh, means not. That's all that means. And it is often added to a word to mean the opposite of the word. So if you think about being worthy, if you put unworthy, it means the opposite, not worthy. The word worthy means deserving or suitable. So if they're unworthy, they deem themselves as undeserving or unsuitable for the gospel message. Now, I think it's important to think here that undeserving does not necessarily mean that they thought that they were too bad to receive the gospel. Rather, I think that they were too good to receive the gospel. He had just told them in this passage that you can be justified from all things without the law of Moses. You see, they had trusted in their observation of the law, in keeping the law of Moses. And so here the idea of they, uh, they judged themselves unworthy, it means that they saw themselves as undeserving or if you would, uh, probably the, the better term is unsuitable, where they were too good for this. We don't need Jesus Christ. We don't need a Savior. We have Moses and the law. So they judge themselves unworthy. Actually, that word unworthy is used earlier in this passage, referring to John the Baptist. If you go back to uh, Acts 13, verse 25... When Paul was preaching about John, he said, And as John fulfilled his course, he said, Whom think ye that I am? I am not he, but behold, there cometh one after me, 
whose shoes of his feet I am not worthy to lose. And so John the Baptist has just used that, or Paul had used that expression of John the Baptist. John the Baptist did not see himself deserving uh, as or being suitable to loosen the shoes of Messiah's feet. John the Baptist was undeserving. He was unsuitable. He was unworthy. And so there's two senses to that. Where you might meet someone who says, well, I just don't think that God would save somebody like me. There's too much sin in my life. We're unworthy. But there's also the idea of unworthy where you think, no, I'm too good for this. I'm a good person. You don't understand. I, I, I live right and I do those things. And so the gospel is not for me. The same sense, they're unworthy of everlasting life. That, that's not suitable for me. I, I don't need that gospel. And so in light of that, in verse 46, Paul and Barnabas, they speak to the Jews the word of the Lord. And he says, Seeing ye put it from you, and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. And so here, Paul then says, Look, the Lord commanded us actually to preach to the ends of the earth. And so when the Gentiles hear this, they hear what? That, look, this gospel is not just for the Jews. Remember, the message that Paul preached was preached to who? To the Jews in the synagogue. In other words, he says, brethren, men and brethren, hearken, ye men of Israel. He's not talking to the Gentiles who are outside the church. He's talking to the Jews who are inside the church who have been rejecting the word again and again, at least here, two weeks in a row. And so he tells these Jews, sorry, we're going to go talk to the Gentiles because actually Jesus Christ commanded us to go to the ends of the earth and not just to preach to the Jews and seeing that you consider yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, we're going to turn and preach the gospel to those who will gladly receive it. So, verse 48, When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord, and as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. The word here, ordained, means uh, wide application, either to place, to set, to order, to appoint, to dispose. You see, the Jews had been indisposed through their uh, through their uh, their stubbornness to receive the gospel they remember they had just said they had judged themselves unworthy it's interesting the word judge yourself the word judge here means it's a personal decision uh, they concluded the word judge means to decree to determine to ordain to think and so they they said to themselves this is not for us this word is not ordained for us. It hasn't been decreed for us. Surely God has something else for us, but not Jesus Christ. We have judged ourselves unworthy of everlasting life. We want no part of the gospel. And so Paul says, You don't think that you're ordained to, the, to everlasting life through the gospel? Now we're going to turn to those who will receive, who are ordained. To receive the gospel message. Because it's not just the Jews that are ordained to receive the gospel message. It's also the Gentiles. Judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life. So the Jews, they judged themselves unworthy of everlasting life. And notice the Bible says in verse, at the end of verse 48, 
And as many, and he's talking about the Gentiles here. When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as were ordained to eternal life, believed. Turn with me to the Gospel of John. When, Je when Jesus Christ is announced in John 1, John chapter 1. Notice verse 6, in John 1 verse 6, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. Who does he want to believe? All men. That all men through him might believe. God, God wants all men to believe, but he knows that not all men are going to believe because many are going to reject the gospel. They're going to deem themselves as unworthy of everlasting life. And they will not believe. Notice verse 8. He, John the Baptist, was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. Notice he had just said, he wants all men to believe, but he knows that when he's going to come to his own, they will not believe in him. Verse 12, but as many as received him, there's the wonderful news, his own are not going to receive him, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. You see, salvation is not the work of man, it's the work of God. As many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Salvation is the work of God. Of God. He is the one who regenerates man, and all those who receive him, all those who believe in him, he gives power to become the sons of God. Notice verse 13 which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Believe and receive. The question is asked. They deemed themselves unworthy of everlasting life. The Jews did. But ultimately, what stands at Jesus Christ? Notice, they, Paul would turn be a light to the Gentiles. So here he was a light in the synagogue to the Jews. Why did the Jews not receive the light? I'm glad you asked that question. The reason why people don't receive the light today is the same reason it's always been. Turn with me to John chapter 3. In John chapter 3, the theme of the light, Jesus being the light, continues on to John chapter 3. We know at the first part of the chapter, He speaks with Nicodemus. And then we come to verse 16, the wonderful verse about Jesus Christ. The Bible says in John three sixteen, For God so loved the world, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And so understand, when those Jews said that they judged themselves unworthy of everlasting life, they did not want to believe in the Son. They rejected the Son. Verse 17, For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He that believeth on Him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Aren't you glad today that if we believe on Him, we are not condemned? 
If you've believed on the Lord Jesus Christ for your soul's salvation, believe that He died on the cross to pay for your sin debt, and you trusted Him as your Lord and Savior, you are not condemned. That's why Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. And then he says in verse 19, and this is the condemnation that light has come into the world. What? Who was the light? Jesus. And men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. Here's the reason why when the light Jesus Christ was preached to that synagogue, you know the reason why they rejected? You know why they deemed themselves unworthy of everlasting life? Because they love darkness rather than light. Do you remember the whole conversation of the New Testament when it comes to the Jew was this. You're a hypocrite. It's not just the letter of the law. It's the spirit of the law. And you're all guilty. You're all guilty. You're just as bad as the Gentiles who are involved in all kinds of sin and, and open sin. And you may do things, but the problem is you do things secretly or in your heart and your mind. If you lost after a woman, you've committed adultery in your heart. If you hate your brother, you're a murderer at heart. If you do those things in the, and you break the spirit of the law, you're guilty. It's not just the act. It's the spirit of the law. And the reason why they rejected is they saw themselves as when Jesus Christ was preached, it, it made them aware of their sinfulness, that they needed a Savior to save them from their sin. And they thought, we have no sin. And that was the great um, mind of the Jews that thought themselves, we judge ourselves unworthy of everlasting life through Christ. You see, the rebuke of, for rejecting the Word of God is clear that He had told them just uh, before, remember the, the previous week, that through this man, verse 38, Jesus Christ is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. I want to be very clear today because of the doctrinal environment that we are in. That people are going to hell. Not because God has chosen them to go to hell. People are going to hell because of their sin. And because they've chosen sin instead of Christ, they will go in hell. You see, the reason why, Pete, why the Jews rejected is they did not see themselves as needing a Savior, and that is still the problem for the world today. The world still sees themselves. They don't, we don't need a Savior. We don't need a Savior. We talked to a lady yesterday. She says she grew up in church and tried to ask her some specific pointed questions, and the, the further we went into the conversation, the more disturbed and unwilling to speak she became. But ultimately, she said this, and I was with James yesterday. I'm good. I, I, don't, I don't need anything. I said, what it, what, when you're going to die, what, what? I said, it doesn't matter. I don't, I don't care. Judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life. Why? Because sin. It's, it's interesting. Every time we try to press and to try to talk about her sin, 
every time she's that's that's not that big of a deal. It's not that big of a deal. It's not it's not really sin. And she would keep repeating at the same time that she deserved to be in heaven. The Jews are in the same place. They deserve they think they deserve eternal life because of their performance, because of their observation of the law, and they don't know that they're filled with sin. They're blind to their sin, and when the light comes, it shines a light on, on their darkness, and they don't want that light. So he rebukes them for rejecting the word of God, but then we see not only the rebuke, but we see the resolve. He resolves to go and preach to the Gentiles. <laughs> Do you see, Paul? You don't want to listen? Fine, I'm leaving. And he goes outside... And talks to the Gentiles. He preaches to the Gentiles. You, you, you don't want to listen? Uh, you, you don't want to judge yourself as, as uh, uh, worthy of everlasting life? Lo, we turn to the Gentiles. Verse 47. As the Lord commanded us, the Lord commanded them to preach the gospel to every creature. When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad. Now, the, the, the truth is, sometimes we say, well... Why, why would they be glad? The reason why they're glad is here is because Paul has only been addressing the Jews. Do you remember the week before the Gentiles that were waiting outside, they asked him to preach again the next Sabbath to them? The next Sabbath, Paul didn't preach to them. He preached to the Jews again. Do you see that? So they're still kind of waiting. They're, they're still trying to wait. And Paul think, thought, I, I need to go to my brethren. I want my brethren. His heart is clear for his fellow brethren according to the flesh. That he wants them to be saved. But he sees them rejecting again and again. And here he remembers the prophecy of Isaiah. He says, you know what? I'm just turning to the Gentiles. And they're happy now. They're glad. Why? Because now the gospel, they had heard some, apparently some part of it because they wanted to hear again. And now they're glad because now Paul is addressing them. That they can receive the forgiveness of sins through Jesus Christ. Justification without the law of Moses. And so Paul resolved to turn to the Gentiles. You see, let, let's not be discouraged. Here is the application. Let's not be discouraged because people reject. Let's be resolved to keep preaching the gospel. Just keep giving. If somebody doesn't want to listen, go to the next person. If someone doesn't want to, uh, to, to listen to the light, or if someone judges themselves unworthy of everlasting life, go and tell the next person, resolve to continue to preach the Word of God. Jesus had made it clear, I am the light of the world. In Matthew chapter 28, He says, the field for Paul, the field was all nations, the uttermost part of the earth, and the audience was all creatures. That was the command. And Paul fulfilled that command. We come to also then the revolt against the publishing of God's word. The Bible says in verse 4, And the word of the Lord was published throughout all the region. Well, if the Jews rejected, who was it published by? The Gentiles. The Gentiles took it and they ran with it. And now the whole region was saturated with the Word of God, namely the preaching of Jesus Christ, justification from sin, forgiveness of sins in the person of Christ. But, verse 50, the Jews stirred up the devout and honorable women and the chief men of the city and raised persecution against Paul. Let me describe the revolt. The Bible makes it clear here, it talks about the honorable women and the chief men. So evidently the Jews stirred up. The word uh, stirred up basically, well you know what it means to stir up. You know how siblings do it. They try to stir up their, their, their brothers, sisters, and 
we know with that. So they go to the honorable men and the chief men. So obviously people in the city who had authority, who had, I guess you could say, the officers of the peace on their side, had some level of control, both the chief men and the honorable women. Some people believe that this is obviously uh, families that were well off, that were well established in the, in the city of Antioch. And so, notice the Jews go to the people who are higher up and try to stir them up, say, hey, these people are wreaking havoc in the city. You've got to kick them out. You've got to expel them. And, and so they're, they're expelled. But then as I noted last week, we see the rejoicing at the opportunity to declare the word of God. They are expelled from the coast, but they, notice, they shook off the dust of their feet against them and came to Iconium. The Jews, this is interesting. Uh, remember, Jesus Christ has commanded disciples to do that. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 14, Whosoever shall not receive you, nor hear your words, when ye depart out of the city or house, shake off the dust off your feet. Well, what does that mean? Well, typically, the Jews of the time, when they would travel from a heathen country, and they would come back to their own country, when they came back to their borders, they would often shake off the dust off their feet, lest any uh, basically unhallowed ground should defile the land of Israel. If they touched ground, for example, they despised the Samaritans and went through Samaria, they walked through Samaria, when they got into Judea, they'd go like, oh, get that, get that dust off of me. Why? Because I despise the Samaritan. I don't want even to have the, the same dust that's on their feet to be on my feet. So, the Bible says they shook off the dust off their feet against them and came to Iconium. So, you see, what they said is, it's basically saying, you don't want to receive it? We're not going to allow ourselves to be discouraged and defiled and hindered from continuing to go on. We're just going to brush the dust off and we're going to keep moving. See, sometimes things happen, opposition happens, and then we just quit. We just stop. We just give up. And the Lord just wants us to move on. Keep serving the Lord. People reject. Keep serving the Lord. Uh, keep preaching the gospel. You see, they're able to rejoice at the opportunity. In verse 52, the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. Let me make five points and I'm done. I've gone over my time here. How could they have joy in such circumstances? Well, let me give you points. First of all, joy is the inevitable accompaniment of being yielded to the Holy Ghost. We also see in this passage that joy is the inevitable accompaniment of obedience to the Lord. You see, they left that city knowing that they had obeyed the Lord. So they can leave with joy. They can be expelled with joy. Why? Because they haven't been expelled because they've disobeyed God. They've been expelled because they were obeying God. So the focus is not on the expulsion, but on the obedience to the Lord. Joy is also the inevitable accompaniment of sharing the gospel. I really believe that. I really believe that. When, when you get to share the gospel with people, even when it doesn't go well, there's a thrill. There's something thrilling about it. We had the joy yesterday of, of giving the gospel to several people. There's thrilling to know that somebody listened to the gospel that they might never hear again. 
Joy is also the inevitable accompaniment of confidence in God's Word. You see, Paul, as he's being rejected, says, wait a minute, that's what God's Word says would happen. God was true. And His Word has been faithful. We've seen it fulfilled before our very eyes. So I believe joy is the inevitable accompaniment of confidence in God's Word. And lastly, joy is the inevitable accompaniment of continuing through affliction. Get the dust off and move on. Now this is not, this is not pulling yourself off by your bootstrap. So I can make it. No, no, they were filled with the Holy Ghost. Continuing to be yielded to God, the Lord said, hey, go to Iconium. I know you're disappointed you've been expelled, but go to Iconium and move on. You see, the Lord, I don't think the Lord wants us to be at a standstill when it comes to serving Him. Don't be at a standstill. Just keep going. Keep serving God. Well, look, it just didn't work out like I thought it would work out. Move on. Keep serving the Lord. And I believe those things will help us to have joy. Being yielded to the Holy Ghost, obeying the Lord, sharing the gospel, being confident in His Word, and continuing through affliction. Let's pray.